Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Tonight we're going to be dealing with number six. Uh, let's quickly pick up a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you. We bless and exalt your name at this moment. We just want to say, Father, we appreciate you for the insight, the privileges, and the love that you've given to us, that you're showing to us. And we're asking God for wisdom and understanding tonight, once again, even as we consider your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we want to continue with number six, like I said before. Uh, with that, with number one, two, three, four, five, and now we're going to number number six. I, I just hope that uh, you're getting blessed by this series, and then you should be able uh, to spare time also to think about how you can study out these numbers, how they played out. Now, I want to also make this very plain. What I said is biblical numbers as it relates to the Bible. I'm not talking of numerology. Numerology has to do with uh, when people pick up numbers, they can add up the number, get the value of the number, and then they tag it to an event or something, you know. Um, it could even come to the point of using such event to begin to guide your life, in quotes. You know, but you see, when you go into numerology, you're going out of Christ. Christ is our source, is our center of everything. Amen? Right. You don't go into numerology. That's why I didn't use the word numerology in discussing what I'm discussing with you. But rather, biblical numbers. Biblical numbers. You know, as it relates to specific things in the Bible. So this is not basically numerology in the sense in which the uh, the Babylonians and even the Greeks have used it before, you know, adding up numbers to get something mystical thing. I'm not dealing with that. I'm dealing with plain stuff from the Bible. And the way it can relate to you or you can relate to them, uh, if we receive ministrations, if we receive maybe uh, by way of dreams or revelations, you receive words or numbers, you'll be able to see how they apply to what God is saying. Is that okay? Alright, so we're going to be dealing with number 6 tonight. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26 to 31, uh, the Bible made us understand that man was created on the sixth day of the creation week. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. If you just take time to read it. Man was created on the sixth day of the creation week. Amen? But he said, let's make mine an image of our likeness and let them have dominion. Is within the framework of Genesis 1, 26 to 31. All of the assignment given to man was from that position. But something again I need you to understand is that, you see, Genesis 1 is a blueprint. I mentioned that to us before. It's the ultimate intent of God for creation, for man in particular. Right? Genesis 1. Genesis 2 is the lowering of the spiritual man to an earthly realm. Because in Genesis 2, 7, it goes to say, let's form man of the dust of the ground. But remember, there is, let's create man in an image and likeness. Right? And the psalmist will say, they that shall be created shall praise the Lord. So that has to do with spiritual thing as completely different from the earthly man that was made in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. Are we together? Alright, so man was created on the, on, the, on the sixth day of the creation week. Therefore, six is the number of man. Now, <clears throat> in Hebrew, uh, the, the, the word six is shesh. S-H-E-S-H. Which means man. It means flesh. It means beast. Sacrifice. Idol. Work. Sacrificial love and knowledge. Shesh. S-H-E-S-H. That's number six in the Hebrew. And I said it means man, it means flesh, it means beast, it means sacrifice, idol, work, sacrificial love, and knowledge. Praise God. Um, often and again we're going to be seeing that but the common understanding is that 
6 is an even number. But I'm going to make you see that 6 is not just an even number. It cannot evil, yes. But much more than that, you're going to see how 6 plays out even in our lives. Now, 6 is closer to number 7. After 6, the next thing you get is 7. So, 6 is just a number short of perfection. Is that okay? 6 is a number short of perfection. And so, is the number of man in a state of independence without the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. 6 is the number of man in his in state of independence, the state of independence, without the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. That's number six. He's short of one number. Seven is a perfect number. Six is one short of seven. So he's speaking about man's independent state. Remember, after man fell from the glory, he was seeking independence. Is that okay? So man, in a state of what I would call the falling state, as he was created on the sixth day, it was a realm of an independent of God. But independent of God in terms of not being able to fulfill the eternal purpose that God has for man. So if he moves up from six to seven, he begins to fulfill God's eternal purpose. Are you done with me? Alright. Now, six also refers to the work of men and their intimate knowledge and sacrificial love for the Creator. And that's what I told us in the very beginning that six is not just ultimately evil or sin or just imperfection. Yes, that is it. But the point is, it is something that drives you towards perfection. Amen? Alright, so six is, it refers to the work of men and their intimate knowledge and sacrificial love for the Creator. Meaning, without that connecting factor, right, with the Creator, man is only flesh and nothing beyond that. Is that okay? In other words, if man wants to live independent, which is fulfilling all the ultimate of number six, it's nothing but flesh. But when you move towards becoming a conduit, if you will, for the love of God, is connecting to the divinity, the divine of the love of God, then is becoming, uh, how do I put it now? It's no longer completely flesh. It's working towards something else because now a manifest kind of sacrificial love. Part of what you see there is Christ is divine. I will make you see that. Record has it that he was born on the sixth day, he was conceived on the sixth day, he died on the sixth day. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about? So he speaks of the of man in relation to redemption. Because all of those things he did on the cross was working towards the redemption of man, bringing man back to perfection. So, the sacrificial love that he altered was from the perspective of man progressing towards who? Towards God. Are you getting this? Now, I'll make you see that a little bit more. Okay. So, if man will not become a conduit for this sacrificial love, he remains completely flesh. But when he begins to walk, to unfold that sacrificial love, as it were, then it's moving from just being flesh into the relationship that has to do with perfection, which is number seven. So watch this, I'm trying to say. Six is minus one, which is one shot of perfection. So if you add one to six, you move into seven, you're great. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Praise the living God. Now, the primary place where you read about uh, the beast um, is Revelation 13 verse 18. 
uh, we said here is wisdom. Letting the heart understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And it's not by six hundred three score and six. Amen? Now, that is something moving towards the fullness of the manifestation of the atomic life, which is now completely flesh. Right? So you find that this is like six times represents imperfection, complete imperfection, when it talks about the beast, the number of a man. Most times it represents imperfection. Is that okay? Now, the number of this beast now, as you find there, the 666, showing that it has to do with imperfection, which is complete imperfection, if you will. Is that okay? Fallen man and the system which the beast represented. That is 66. He speaks of the very best of the system of government that mankind can produce without God and under the constant influence of Satan. 666. What did I say? We're talking about the system of governance that mankind can produce or put in place without God and under the constant influence of Satan. 66. I did explain to us some time ago that 66 is the number of times man have rejected the influence of God in terms of redemption. Man in the beginning, wants to get man back to himself, he came in as Yahweh, God. And man said, he's the God of the Jews. And so he decides to come as man, Jesus Christ, Son of God. And they said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Then he said, okay, I'm going to come as the Holy Spirit. And a man is also saying, there is nothing like Holy Spirit. So remember we dealt with that, the unpardonable sin. How many of you still remember that story? Right. So we talk about sin against the Father, sin against the Son, and sin against the Holy Spirit. This three dimension of rejecting the influence of God, it speaks of the fullness of the Adamic life, which is man. Six, six, six. It's not a number of an Antichrist, that is coming up tomorrow. And in the truth says, the fallen man is the Antichrist. Nothing to do with one man that is coming from the Middle East. Nothing to do with the next president of the U.S. as people always put it. Nothing to do with Russia. No. 666 is the fullness of imperfection in man's realm and life of governance. Praise God. Nothing to do with an individual anywhere. Antichrist means to oppose, means to usurp. So anybody usurping the throne of God automatically is an antichrist. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? And so most times we look at the wrong direction when we're trying to find answers from scriptures. And so we saw 666 is going to be put on the... <laughs> I did ask this question in the book of Revelation. The Bible tells us as well. Uh, those who receive the mark of the beast on their forehead and in their hands. Is that okay? And say that that shall not be able to buy or sell. And so we think selling has to do you go to the market to buy tomatoes or they go to the grocery shop. Give me Isaiah 51. Nothing to do with that. The Bible never teaches anything in terms of mundane stuff that you find in the market. Your rice, your tomato, paste, whatever. No, it's not talking about that. Isaiah 52, verse number one. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock. No, Isaiah 55, I'm sorry. Give me Isaiah 55. Let's look at Isaiah 55. 55 was on hold. Everyone that tested, come ye to the waters. 
and he that had no money, come ye, buy and eat ye. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's simply an exchange of life. That one need to buy in the Bible. It's not talking about going to the market to buy food stuff. So if you have the market in your hand, you will not be able to buy Gary, you will not be able to buy rice. Oh no, man. It's not talking about that. It's a common buy. Buy what? Exchange your mundane life for that with this life. And he said the same thing to the book of, I mean, the, the church in the book of Revelation. Come buy of me gold, tried in the fire. Me, God is selling gold. Where is the shop? Huh? What is saying? Come and exchange your common Adamic life with my divine nature. That's what he's talking about. That one need to buy in the Bible. And Proverbs said the same thing buy the truth and sell it not. Where do you see truth being sold in the market? And so you're going to the market to buy truth. Where is the shop? <laughs> what is simply mean? Believe truth and stay with the truth. Don't trade it out for anything. That would mean to buy the truth and sell it not. Are you sitting there with me? So that's what it means. So when people begin to think that one antichrist is coming, if you don't have the mark in your hand, having your forehead, you'll not be able to buy stuff in the market, it's so cheap and well interpreting the word of God. Praise God. Alright. So, both Hebrews and Christians, as a believe, six speaks of imperfection, man and evil. That is what these two realms of belief system have always held uh, from time. But the Hebrew people and the, the Christian believers, they concluded that six is imperfection, it speaks of man, and it speaks of evil. Amen? Now, if you raise the number six to the third degree, the six appear in the position of unit tens and hundred. Sixty-six. Unit tens and hundred. Is that okay? When you raise number six in that place, which is emphasis, it's simply an emphasis of the complete imperfection and deficiency that we misrepresent in what we just read in Revelation 13 verse 18. Is the nature of man raised to the level of imperfection? So you have six as a unit, six in times, six in hundred, six, six, six is a complete imperfection of man's life. And so anybody who is not walking in perfection is automatically in a way walking in what imperfection because the life of a man. Six, six, six completeness. And so if, if you are not anyone to follow it that way, you find that 777 speaks of God, 888 speaks of Jesus. Jesus, that name is number 8. 888 speaks of Jesus. 999 speaks of the Holy Spirit. So you see God, perfection, you see Jesus in a new beginning, you see the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Seven, eight, nine. That's what it stands for. Are you following me? Yeah. Well, welcome to eight. Maybe our keyboard is able to tell us when you get to the octave number in the keyboard, right? What's the next thing you have? A high pitch. You finish, you come in a new beginning. That's octave number eight. That's a new beginning. That is Christ. Hallelujah. So you have six, 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 fullness of man. 777, fullness of God. 888, fullness of Christ. 999, fullness of the Holy Spirit. I just want you saying there. Are you following me? <laughs> Praise God. And that is why you have the nine gift of the Holy Spirit. You check the gift of the Spirit, there are nine. We're going to touch that. Praise the Lord. Now, when Adam ate of the tree, of knowledge of good and evil, what really happened? He broke relationship between heaven and earth and introduced sin. That is just the implication. He broke the relationship between heaven and earth and introduced sin. So here we find man's weakness. 
which is the number six. He speaks of the weakness of man, the inability of man to accomplish divine things. Amen? Are we together? When Adam ate of the tree, the relationship between heaven and earth was broken. Sin was introduced into the picture. Are you with me? That is just what we say here. And so sin was introduced, which is number six now. And so sin here, or number six now, is a symbol of sin and imperfection, as can be seen in the Bible. It's imperfection because it's short of number seven, like I said in the beginning. Put it in a matter of perfection. So number seven is perfection. Number six is imperfection because it's short of one number. So if you add that one number to six, you get seven, you're moving toward perfection. Are we there? Good. Alright. Now, if you look at the earth, you have three major things that man govern or rule himself with. The earth is made basically of three major parts. When I talk the earth, I'm talking about humanity. Now, what are those three major parts? Economic, religion, and government. Economic, religion, and government. There are three major parts that controls man on the earth. What are those things? Economic, religion, and what? Government. These are the three things that controls man. But with man is trying to live independent of God, and of course, all of these three things that I just mentioned are influenced by Satan. The prince, if you will, of the power of the air. Praise the Lord. Are you following me? Right. So, three major things I repeat again. But which man rules his life on the earth are what? Economic. Number two, religion. Number three, government. That's it. And so you plug this again into your three dimension of six, six, six. The manifestation of those realms. What is that? Economic. Number two, religion. Number three, government. You see, the government of, of the earth of man is opposing the government of God, which is the kingdom of God. The economic principle of the earth is opposed to the economic principle of God. Now, with no cause religion, God does not subscribe to. Because God has no religion. Hallelujah. I will see here. Now, if you multiply six, six, six by seven, you understand what I mean? Six, six, six. You multiply that by seven, what you get is four thousand six hundred and sixty-two. Four thousand six hundred and sixty-two. Which is complete imperfection under the influence of Satan. Now, if you take four thousand six hundred and sixty-two. Just add them together. That is 4 plus 6 plus 6 plus 2. What do you get? You get 18. Now if you divide 18 by 3, what do you get? You get 6. Are you following what I'm talking about? Now see the way it played out. The book of Luke chapter 13 verse 16. I'll show you something very powerful here. Luke chapter 13 verse 16. Now this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lo, how many years? Eighteen years. Be loose from the bond of the Sabbath on the Sabbath. Can you get that? How long was the woman bound? Eighteen years. Under which influence? Under the influence of Satan. Is it making sense to you? Right. So you take six, multiply by seven. I mean, six is six, multiply by seven. What do you get? 4,662. You add up those three figures, you got 18. You divide 18 by three, you get six. I mean, is it simple? Right. So Jesus said, 
This woman has been bound for 18 years. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you here? Praise the living God. So again, when you go to the book of Acts, I mean the book of Joshua, we don't have time to read that. But if you look at Joshua chapter 6, that is where you find that God told the children of Israel, help me now, to walk around the city with the priest blowing the trumpet six times every day for six days. How many of you remember that? Remember that? Very good. Go around the city, the priest blowing the trumpet six times for six days. They did all of that. The wall was still standing. And then on the seventh day, he said, You go around the city seven times and blow the trumpet. And when that was done, what happened? The wall came down. What's the meaning of that? God was trying to show man that of yourself you can achieve any miracle. The wall came down on the seventh day, which is the number of God. The miraculous power of God was released because it was his day. But man tried all of his effort for six days and the wall was still standing. God telling you and I that of yourself you can achieve nothing. Operating under number six means complete failure, struggle without success. Except you move on to number seven. Are you getting this? Right, so you go back and study Joshua chapter six. Are you able to see what I'm talking about? For six days they compiled the city, blowing the trumpet, but the war refused to come down. But when they go to number seven, with the number of God, God simply said, okay, you just go around the city seven times and blow the trumpet, the wall collapsed. Did you get that? Good. That is movement from man's weakness and imperfection to the realm of divinity in God and powers and miracles begin to flow because they're moving into the God's realm. So what we find here is God destroyed the city with his power, with his miracles as it were on the seventh day with the day of rest. And I'm going to show you something very powerful because you see God intended you to work for seasons and rest on the seventh day. So what it means to say is enter Christ and walk. When you enter Christ and walk, you achieve success. You achieve greatness. You do with ease. Oh, come on. You need to get this. Are you following what I'm talking about? You rest and walk. You don't walk and rest. <laughs> when you enter into the Sabbath, which is Christ, you can walk and you succeed. You can achieve. Because then, you are moved from the realm of labor into the realm of rest. Are you following this? Okay. So, this wall came down on the seventh day, proving to man that your incompetency, your inability, your weakness cannot achieve greatness for you without God. Did you see that? Hallelujah. So miracles can only happen through God. That's what he needs to teach us in that particular passage. Because man walks for six good days trying to bring down the wall of Jericho. But it never came down until man moved in to the seventh number or the seventh day with the time of rest. And while it was a time and a moment of rest, the miracle they were looking for happened. Is that making sense to you? Praise the Lord. So like I said, man stands for work. I mean, six stands for work. We will call it labor. Because man was supposed to work for six days and to solve the earth but during the period of six years. But on the seventh year, remember what the Lord gave to them, there must be no work. There should be a Sabbath rest for the land. Guess what? One of the reasons, if you take time to read the Bible, that Israel was sent to Babylon was because they could not keep the Sabbath. What it means is they will not allow the land to follow. They keep on tilling from the sixth year to the seventh year. God now said, okay, 
For the land to have cocoa here. For the land to have peace and rest, go out of Babylon. Oh, glory to God. Are you seeing that? So the reason why God sent them to Babylon was because they would not allow the land to rest. Praise the living God. And so it tells you something, that when you are supposed to rest, and you are still doing what you are doing, you enter into bondage. God allows that. Because the rest you are supposed to enter into, or allowing even your business to rest, you still struggling and trying to do things, you enter into bondage. Oh, come on now. Are you still following what I'm talking about? Right. So God gives this. Okay, look at Genesis 2 verse 15. Genesis 2 verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Hallelujah. That is work. That is what he was meant to do. To keep it and to dress it. Or dress it and keep it. He was supposed to be exercising this authority, this labor, if you want to put it. But it's a number of days. Then he gave him the seventh day to rest from all of his work. So let's look at Exodus 20 for instance, verse number 8, and then 31, 12 to 17, you can read that. But let's look at Exodus 20, verse number 8. Remember the Sabbath to do what? To keep it holy. Which is the seventh day. Now understand something. The seventh day is not a weekly day. If you begin to read the Genesis 1, what you see is on the morning and the evening were the first day. I'm sorry, in the evening and morning, not morning and evening. In the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening and morning were the second day. Evening and morning were the third day, right? But when you come to the seventh day, there is no evening, there is no morning. It's an eternal day. So it's not a weekly day. Do you understand that? On the seventh day, it's not a weekly day in your calendar. It's neither Saturday nor Sunday. It's an eternal day of God. Are we still here? Praise the Lord. So when you enter into rest, which is a Christ of God, then you can walk and be at peace and be at rest. So, look at Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you what? Rest. You can translate that word, I'll give you Sabbaths. <laughs> Are you there with me? And then we look at verse 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you, and lay of me. For I am meek and lowly heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. You shall find rest unto your soul. All agitation, all agitation that you probably be going through, the Bible said if you enter into Christ, you find rest to your soul. Praise the Lord. For my yoke is easy and my body is light. Are you there? So when he gave man the Sabbath, he was already describing Christ, the realm of rest in God. It's very crucial for you to understand. Remember to keep the Sabbath holy. In other words, honor God, honor Christ, venerate Christ, if you will. And so you enter into Christ and you can do anything you want to do. Now, I don't want you to miss this point because it's very important. Well, like I said, the wall of Jericho remains standing, even though they walk around the place for six good times in one day for six days. And six times six is what? Think about that. And that's the number of times they walk through the whole system, but it was still standing. But when it was on the Sabbath day, they went round and the thing came down. 
Is that okay? Seven times seven is what? Forty-nine. Am I right? Huh? Come on, are we together? Right. Now, how many times did God said you should forgive your neighbor who sin against you? Seven times, seventy times, four hundred and ninety. And that was the number of times that God was going to forgive Israel about coming into captivity. It was Israel that really, as it were, sinned against God, and God was saying, I'm going to forgive them. Somebody once spoke to me recently that the New Testament is very simple. You just read it and take it a very simple way. I just wondered how simple is the New Testament? And you think Jesus was saying, if your brother sinned against you, let him be forgiven seven times, seventy times. And you think that is simple? If you don't understand what it really stands for, you think it's simple? <laughs> Amen. And when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you think that is simple? Huh? He said, man, Pastor David, the New Testament is very simple. It should be read in its own simplicity. How simple is the New Testament? Hmm? Remember I asked you the question some time ago. You think Jesus was just being crazy when he caused the fig tree? What was the problem with the fig tree? The scripture says it was not time for figs. Jesus knew that. Why was he expecting figs from a tree that ought not to bear at that time? Because we do know that a fig tree represents the house of Judah. And he was simply saying, from this hour, everything that Judaism was supposed to produce is cursed. Hey, that's what he was talking about. It had leaves was supposed to mean religion, but no substance, no fruit. And he said, the kingdom shall be taken away from you, are given to other nations, I will bring forth fruit. And somebody said, in tell me, very simple. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me how simple the New Testament is. Hallelujah. So yeah, Jesus is saying, come unto me, yet I labor and I'll give you Sabbath. You enter into your rest. And so when you enter into rest, you can walk. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So continue to find that man fell on the sixth day. And the sacrifice of Jesus for redemption of man on the cross was on the sixth day of the Passover. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> man fell on the sixth day. Redemption took place on the sixth day. So, the sacrifice of Jesus was to undo the power of the fallen man. That's why he had to die on the Sabbath, I mean on the sixth day of Passover, to undo the works of the fallen man, which is the 66. Are you sitting there with me? Remember this. How oh, help me now. He, he, <laughs> the Bible tells us that in order to receive man, he partook of flesh and blood. Can you understand what I'm saying? In other words, he partook of death. So he took death to destroy death. Therefore, he has to die on the sixth day to destroy the effect of the number six in relation to being a fallen man. Is anybody understanding this? Are we still together? Praise the Lord. Now, in John chapter 2, Verse 6. I don't know if you are finding this interesting. But for me, it was mind blowing when I was studying and seeing so many of these things jumping out. John 2, verse number 6. And there was said there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three frankincenses apiece, right? Why did you think Jesus? Have to turn this water into wine. The six water pot 
represent man in his weakness and emptiness. Jesus filling the water by with the wine was bringing for a new life into the clay or water pot that was made of clay with our life. So, here the emptiness in man, the weakness in man, the death in man were transformed by the miracle of the wine, which is actually the gospel of Jesus. Because he said, no man have tasted the old wine, we all of a sudden say, the new wine is good. No, because they use old wine. And he was saying that listen to the Pharisees, we will not believe what he was teaching. So we know the wine speaks of the gospel. So when he filled this water pot with the wine, he's talking about the impact of the gospel that's going to bring transformation to mankind, who is in a falling and empty state, in a dead state, life was given back to man. That's the miracle apart from there. Six water pots. Are you following this? Hallelujah. So here he brought his life, which is the Christ's life, infused it into the dead state of man. How I many of you remember that what Jesus actually did was just an exchange of life? Remember that? He gave us his life, he took our life. And so that's what the Bible said, this is the beginning of the miracle, when he turned water to wine and showed for his glory. Francis, are you getting this? You like it, right? <laughs> Praise the living God. So that's, that's the mystery of the, of the six water pot. Why do you think there are six water pot? Why not four, why not five, why not seven? Six water pot. Representing mankind in his weakness and emptiness and deadness. And so he fills this with his life, which is the new wine. Praise the living God. Remember, when he came from the upper room, what happened? The Bible made us understand that people said they were drunk with wine. How many of you remember that? Good. So what was the wine there? When they received the power of the Holy Spirit that was flowing through them, they thought they were drunk with wine, but they were actually drunk with the wine of God. Did you see that? So it was this wine that was represented in these six water pots. The transformation of mankind from the empty and dead state, an imprim of imperfection, is what he demonstrated. Hear me now. Now remember, this was done in a marriage system. Mm -hmm. And I also begin to point to something about Jesus being the, the bridegroom and then we being the bride. Now you sit down with me. It was the case of the bridegroom and the bride. The picture was actually Christ marrying mankind by infusing his life into man. Praise the living God. Are we see here? Now, if you take time to study the Bible, those who practice sorcery, which is divination by assistance of evil spirit, is mentioned six times. All those who practice sorcery, like the woman that Jesus, I mean, Paul rebuke, sorcerer, you know, Elamite, all of them, all those people, is mentioned six times. You take time to study the Bible. The realm of the fallen man trying to operate in divinity. Six times. Sorcery. Divination. If you take time to study the Bible, Jesus was asked to produce signs to prove who he was six times by righteous people. They described the Pharisees all the time they ask him, show us a sign if you have been the son of God. Show us a sign if you are the son of God. Six times. Man was always trying to prove or intending God to prove to man who he was. It was done six times. That was number six that was operated. The number of times that men came to Jesus and said, if you think you are the son of God, if you claim to be who you are, show us a sign. Six times. Amen? It was, if you take time to study the Bible again, they called Jesus devil six times. 
<laughs> the devil actually trying to manifest himself to prove a point. Jesus was referred to as Satan or devil six times in the Bible. Still the realm of man, the realm of imperfection, imposing the life of God. And there is something very miraculous again. How many of you remember that when the devil, I mean Gabriel, came to Mary to announce the miraculous birth of Jesus. John was already in the womb for six months. Six months apart. I mean, if you remember that. Very good. That is to say, the natural was connecting with divinity. Elizabeth was already six months pregnant before the announcement of Jesus. Of the pregnancy of Jesus. Hallelujah. Like I said, if you want to take time read the scriptures, he was accused of being possessed by the devil six times. You can find that in Mark chapter 3, verse 22, John 7, 20. You know, take time to read all of those things, you're going to find it. Six times he was accused of being possessed of the devil. Number six. If you take time to study the Bible again, you find that only six people acknowledge that Jesus was innocent during the persecution. Only six people. We are able to say that this man, no, is innocent. Only six people. Does that not interest you? And if you take time to study, you find that those who whipped Jesus, there were six people. <laughs> All those who flogged him and trashed him, they were six in number. Hallelujah. You see, God is not just making fun when he begins to use numbers to do certain things. That's why these studies are very, very important so that we understand God's intention from day one for how numbers speak to us in the Bible. So those who trashed him, flogged him, lashed him, they were number six. Amen. But those also who acknowledge that this man is innocent, there are only six people that did that. If you take time to study Judges chapter 12, verse number 7, you find that Jephthah served six years as a judge in Israel. Amen? And again we find that when Moses gave the law to build the city of refuge, they built six. Not five, not four, not three. Six cities of refuge were built such that if you murder someone and they need to kill you, you run to that place. He built six cities and they called it a city of refuge. Are you sitting with me? At that level, you are talking about the provision of man now. Just like redemption came through, the born on the sixth day, crucified on the sixth day, as a matter of fact, on the sixth hour. If you look at Ruth chapter 3 verse 15, you find that Boaz gave Ruth six ephahs of barley to take home. Amen? Now, if you take time to study the difference between barley and wheat, you will know that they don't ripe at the same season. But Jesus feeding the miraculous people in terms of five loaves and two fishes. It was barley cake that was used. Amen? Praise the Lord. Which in the true sense was portraying redemption. Hallelujah. If you look at Exodus 21, time will not be there to read all of that. 
you find that every Hebrew slave in the Old Testament will work for six years and is set free. Isn't that interesting? After six years, every Hebrew slave was meant to go back home. So seven becomes like a year of jubilee, which is supposed to be 50. Rest. Six years, you're free, you go back home. Praise the living God. Amen? Are we still here? Okay. Now, if you need to apply dreams, I mean, in terms of six, if it's coming to you, there's the need for you to pay some close attention from all of these things that I've read I'm trying to talk about. But one thing that is very, very important when you start receiving number six is for you to deal with your domestic life, to bring harmony to it. Primarily, to deal with your domestic life, to bring harmony to it. your family, your relations. Is that okay? So, it's like God trying to show you that this is imperfection. This is imperfection. So you have to walk to bring in perfection. By bringing harmony to your domestic life. Your family, your relations, whatever it is. When six begins to appear to you regularly, God is just trying to say, take care of your domestic life. Amen? Are we here? Now, one of the things again that six stands for is selflessness, light working, and charity. That's what I told us in the beginning. All about six is not evil or sin. And that is what so many of us do not understand. Amen? What does he stands for? Selflessness, light working, and charity, love. That's six. Because remember, at this stage, you've been able to see the emptiness, the frailty, all of those things. You understand that with man represents, but you're trying to work it out in this case as you aim towards number seven. So here you're going to be projecting selflessness through love, which is charity. You come into the place of walking light. Remember what he said, come unto me, hear the heaven. I mean, have a lady and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my body is light. Walking light. So when you begin to see number six much, much regularly, the Lord is only trying to tell you to do something that will benefit other people. Do something that will benefit other people. Get out of being selfish into selflessness. Get out of being greedy into the realm of charity and love. Are you still there with me? Now, I, I see in this way that you have come to start recognizing the man is so much in the realm of imperfection. You've gotten that awakening. You've gotten that knowledge. I want to break out of it. Are you there with me? So now God begins to speak to you. When you begin to see 666, like pretend to tell you, you are too much of a man. You are too much in the realm of imperfection. Move on to something else. That's why he harmonized. So then, it's not trying to tell you you are evil, it's not trying to tell you you are sinful, but it's trying to tell you, walk out of this realm of selfishness and being completely in the realm of imperfection. Hallelujah. Now, you see, when you start serving other people, as directed by the Lord, when this ministration begins to come, you follow your soul's mission that will help you fulfill life purposes. When you begin to see these revelations coming to you constantly, and God is trying to say become selfless, 
you're not following your soul's direction, the mission of your soul, why you are in existence. And this brings you to the place of fulfilling your prophetic destiny, quote. Are you sitting with me? Remember what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. Take my counsel from you. Break your iniquity by doing righteousness, helping people. Did you get that? Right. So you walk in the realm of this imperfection, this weakness, this emptiness, and God begins to minister to you in this dimension. He's asking you to move out. Walk in love, walk in selflessness. Don't let your light, your walk be a light body, if you will. And then now you're following your soul's mission. And this way, you come into the place of fulfilling your divine purpose as God has ordained it for you. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? So, he speaks of unconditional love that enables you to balance and harmonize your life. He speaks of unconditional love that helps you to balance and harmonize your life. Number six. It's not always evil. It's not always sin. But it's a means to make you know that man at his best is still man. So you can move out of it. Praise the Lord. Like I said before, it deals with a family issue that you need to pay attention to. When six begin to come, begin to come, begin to come, God is saying, pay attention to your family issues. There are some issues that God wants you to deal with. Now you see, this knowledge will help you live a life that is God-fulfilling, if I may use the word. Because here you begin to see God's mind, intent, and purposes for you. It comes to the place where you begin to see God's will for you in relation to those around you. In this case, your family circle. Bring harmony, bring balance to them. You see, you'll be privileged amongst your family people when God begins to speak to you with this number. That's to say, you have something you can do. That's to say, you are being empowered to help your family achieve harmony and oneness. If things are not right, you can literally put things right. Because if God begins to speak to you, He will empower you to do that which is right. Are we here? Remember, in Exodus 20, the sixth commandment said, Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> Do you think it's, it's surprising that the sixth commandment said, Thou shalt not kill? So, if you don't kill, what practically are you manifesting? Love. So, number six wants you not to kill. And if you don't kill, you're going to be given life. That's your selfless nature, your charity, bringing harmony to systems and situations that are not in order. Now, I love this one. In the course of my study, I find that Jesus started a Carmelite school, what was called a Carmelite school, when he was six years old. He, he was conceived on the sixth day, crucified on the sixth day. Six executioners lost him. Are you there with me? <laughs> Speaking of the passion of Christ, when you look at the passion of Christ, all of this thing came in from the point of six. What did I say? He started a Carmelite school when he was six years old. He was conceived on the sixth day, crucified on the sixth day. Six executioners lost him. And that speaks of redemption. Why was he born? That he might destroy the power of sin, the power of death, that he might bring redemption to the fallen man. So he entered into life on the sixth day. Crucified on the sixth day. Six men lashed him. <laughs> Praise the living God. Can you get that? So, I want 
to let us understand that 6 is not always talking about just imperfection and sin. There is so much embedded in that number, among which I've just enumerated. So there are some positive things about number 6. So if Jesus entered the Carmelite school at 6, if Jesus was conceived at 6, right? Crucified at 6, think about it. I mean, six, 6 days, 6 days of the week, as the case may be. Think about that. It's positive in relation to our redemption. He did all of that to destroy sin. To destroy the power of sin, if you will. Praise the living God. So, sins could be positive and not just negative. It speaks of positive things entering your life. Positive things coming to you. And how you can create positive atmosphere within your home, within your family, within your neighborhood. So anytime six is coming to you in your visions, just know that God has intention for you to do some stuff, even in that state that you are. It will empower you to bring transformation, to bring harmony, to bring peace to where there is disorder, where there is chaos. Praise the living God. Are you still following me? Now you see, we, we, <laughs> we need to take time to study these things. But like I said, this is not numerology. This is Bible language and numbers. That's what I'm dealing with. Is that okay? That's why I was sharing with your brother recently. Uh, you look at number 21. I, I may not be able to. This thing is too extensive, so my, my intention is to get to number 10 and stop. You go figure out the rest for yourself. <laughs> you understand that? But you see, when I got number 21, is a number that speaks of sin. So it's not just number 6. Because you see, first king and second kings. The sins of Jeroboam were mentioned 21 times. Which speaks of the number of times that Israel became rebellion against God. So 21 stands for sin. So it's not just number 6. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? Right. You know? So if you take time to study, you'll be able to see that Almost all of these numbers, they have a specific significant roles that they play. And so if God is giving you specific numbers, you just take time to study them, and then you know exactly what God is saying. He's withdrawing you from yourself. He's withdrawing you from the realm you are. And at the same time, He's empowering you for something more, more beautiful about your life. So friends, this is number six. It's not just imperfection. Primarily it is, it's not just sin, it's also that, but at the same time, it's a realm that produces what? Harmony and love and selflessness. You walk in the realm of charity, you walk in the realm of fulfilling your divine purpose when God begins to speak to you with number six. It's just reminding you that at this level that you're walking in, you're walking in perfection. You're walking in a lower realm of life as expected for you in God. You're walking below the capacity that God has given to you. Are we still here? Praise the living God. So I enjoyed the issue of the six water pots makes so much meaning to me. Is that okay? Right. He's not dealing with sin. He's dealing with redemption from sin because his new life is being imputed into the six water pots. And Paul will say, we have this treasure in earthen vessel. Can you get the meaning now? Praise the living God. We have the treasure of God. We have the glory of God in earthen vessel within us. And so he changed his water pot from ordinary water pot and filled them with wine, which is his life, which is his gospel, which is his message. And so that means so much to me. And when I look at the case of Jericho, after they labor for six good days, on the seventh day, 
they enter into rest. Telling us again that when you struggle without entering the rest of Christ, it's all human effort. Miracles come from the seventh day. Miracle doesn't happen on the sixth day. Are we here? Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.